From 1 Samuel, David said, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, boys and girls. You know, there's few stories in Scripture which uh, are as well-known, maybe even just to the culture at large, few stories is more well-known than the story of David and Goliath of Gath. I love that. Uh, it seems fitting for Father's Day. I mean, it's the text appointed for today. Last week I preached about fathers too. If you weren't here, you can check it out on the website. But uh, it's a story, Goli- the, the, the story of David and Goliath is a story about courage and strength and grit. And fundamentally, I'm going to get to this today, it is about a young man's faith in God and not in himself. You know, most people, and every single Disney movie works this way, <laughs> Every, most people read the story of David and Goliath as something along the lines of this, that the, stool, the schoolyard bully finally gets his just desserts. The little guy finally smokes the big guy. The kid on the playground is always pushing the kid into the dirt, finally gets his butt kicked. And I will say, that is a satisfying story. But that's not what it's about. David and Goliath is not about a little girl or a little boy overcoming immense odds by their own strength. That's not exactly what the story is about. There's actually three characters in this story that I want to look at today because they all suffer from the same problem in different ways. The same problem, I should say. There's three characters here we're going to look at this morning. Three men on this Father's Day. And ask the question as we look at all three in our case study of this. Where does real strength real confidence, real power come from. So three guys, David, Goliath, and Saul. These three men, and we're going to look at where their strength comes from. Where does their grit come from? Because real strength and courage only comes from trusting in God. Three points today. I'm going to look at the, and it's the three guys, Goliath, David, Goliath, and Saul or Goliath, Saul, and David, rather. Uh, Let's look at the worldly confidence of Goliath, of Gath, the lack of confidence of Saul, and finally, the humble, and that's an important word, the humble confidence of David. So the worldly confidence of Goliath, the lack of confidence, the cowardice of Saul, and finally, the humble confidence of of David. So first thing, let's look at this Goliath of Gath, Gath, this character. You know, I was thinking when I was a kid, I had one of those goldfish that had like the, you know, like the big fins and the baggy eyes, like a little ball, and he was black. His name was, he, was a, he wasn't actually a goldfish because he was black, but his name was Goliath of Gath. And we think of Goliath of Gath as something like out of a Batman movie, right? We think of a big, hairy, stinky, smelly guy whose breath is kind of bad, and he's sort of obnoxious to be around. He's a lot of fun at a Penn State tailgate party, but aside from that, he's somebody you probably want to stay away from. He's actually just kind of disgusting. He's kind of one of those people that you look at as not exactly a a person you'd want to be around, but that's actually to totally, completely misunderstand who Goliath of Gath was. He was not a goldfish. Goliath of Gath was actually a champion of the Philistines, the people that live in Philistia. So a champion, a champion is someone, listen to this, Goliath is not some knuckle-dragging, hairy, smelly guy. I mean, he might have been, but that's not the point. The point is Goliath 
represented the sum total of all the hopes of the people of Philistia. And here's why. In, ancient, in the ancient Near East, if you were fighting, if the armies that would fight, they would pick a person called a champion. And that champion would be the person that both either side would pick, and they would send them out to do battle. Why? Well, because the Philistines and the Israelites had fought before, not too long before this. 30,000 people are murdered, killed in that battle. So like, you know, this is not working very well. It's kind of like the Battle of the Somme in World War I. We've got to kind of rethink our strategy. Ah, I got an idea. We'll pick, we're from Philistia, we'll pick our best guy. And you Jews, you pick your best guy. That person is called a champion. And listen, that champion would fight for and die for their people, if necessary, in their place. And the winner of the fight takes the lot. If the Philistine champion wins, the Israelites are defeated, and vice versa. If the Israelite champion wins, then the Philistines are defeated. But the important point, listen, is the champion is one man who represents his people and is willing to take the consequence in their place. More about that in a minute. The point is, though, that Goliath is the kind of guy everybody wants their son to be like. Goliath is the Philistines' champion, which is why he challenges the Israelites. He, he calls across them. That it, they're, they're, it says they're arrayed on two hills, right? Two, two pieces of dirt that go up, and in the middle is a valley, the valley of the shadow of death. I'll get to that in a second. But they're across, the, the Israelites and the Philistines are across from each other, and they are yelling, you know, catcalls at each other, kind of like when you see a a fight, you know, like a WWE fight, and before the fight, the, the two boxers or the two wrestlers are just talking smack at each other. That's what's going on here. They challenge each other. It is a clash of cultures. Who is stronger? Who is going to represent us before everybody else? Who is the icon of our culture? Let's think about that for a minute. Who are the icons of our own culture? Elon Musk? Jeff Bezos? I'll go political for a second. Donald Trump? Hillary Clinton? It's both sides, right? But the point is, we, let me, George Washington, Ulysses Grant, whatever it is, man, and, and it changes culturally, but I want you to consider something. Every culture has its champion. Every culture has a man or a woman who represents the sum total of what they aspire to. That's the person who represents us. Let me ask you that. This is a very important question. Who is the person whom you admire? Who is a person that you look up to as a person who represents the sum total of the person you would be like? Who is it? And the reason I'm asking you that question is I want you to see something that you're not going to like when I tell you. This might sting a little bit, but that's kind of the point, right? We don't like to admit this, but we're a lot more. We are a lot more like Goliath than we are like David. How do I know that? Well, think of a problem in your life right now, and it's probably one of the couple things. Your family, your health, your relationships, or maybe all three. I don't know. You've all got something, man. Fill in the blank. Everybody's got something. Our first reaction, your first reaction, and my first reaction to a problem is what am I going to do to solve it? What am I going to do in my own power to change my circumstances? What am I going to do under my power and authority? Who do I look to then as my champion? Me. 
And we all do this. And the reason we do that, like Goliath, is we place our trust in ourselves, don't we? Goliath of Gath is talking smack because Goliath of Gath has trust in himself. And we admire this in people. Our culture admires this in people. He's a type A alpha male. He's the kind of guy I want to be like. The point I want you to see here is Goliath is an important archetype, friends. He represents somebody who relies on their own strength, relies on their own ability. He has worldly confidence. Listen. It's the first point. I want you to see the worldly confidence of Goliath, and I want to challenge where your confidence lies. Is it in the things of this world? Is it in you? Because the second person we see here is then Goliath has worldly confidence in Saul. Look at the lack of confidence in Saul. Look at this. Keep in mind an important detail, right? So Goliath comes out and he's calling to the Israelites, come out here and fight. Come fight me, right? Well, Saul is technically still the king of the Jews, And guess whose job it is to go across and fight Goliath of Gath? Whose problem is it to solve? Saul. It is Saul's job as the king of the Jews to represent his people, to confront Goliath. It is Saul's job to be the champion of the Israelites, to meet Goliath at the body of the valley of the shadow of death, and to fight him to the death. And Saul wimps out. He can't do it. But remember something here. I mean, Saul is no, Saul is not some scrawny schoolyard kid. David is. We'll get to that in a minute. But it's, see, it's subtle. We want to say, ah, oh, Saul, come on, you big, you big coward. But, but actually, remember something important about Saul, right? Saul used to be. Saul was, when he was made king, Saul was the biggest kid on the block. Remember? When Saul was selected as the king of the Jews, he was the tallest and handsomest of everybody around. He was the one who represented everything that Israelites wanted to be. Saul was the strongest. Saul was the most powerful. Saul had the most worldly confidence of anybody around him until he met Goliath of Gath. And now Samuel, Saul looks across the valley of the shadow of death at this seven-and-a-half-foot-tall steamroller named Goliath, and he looks down at his own six-foot-five frame, and he panics. I can't do it. And it's easy for us to say Saul's a coward, right? Come on, man up, dude. Well, I want you to see something important here. Stay with me if you lost me, because this is big. Both Goliath of Gath and Saul fall prey to the same dynamic. Do you see it? Both Goliath of Gath and Saul fall prey to the same dynamic. They rely on their own strength. Goliath looks on himself and feels confident. Why? Because he's seven foot five. He's huge. He's a monster. Because for the time being, anyway, he's the biggest, baddest dude around. And then Saul looks on himself and feels cowardice and fear because he knows that he used to be that guy. He used to be the biggest, baddest dude around but he no longer is. See my point? Both of those men suffer from the same problem, and all men suffer, and women suffer from this problem. We define ourselves, we define our abilities on our own strength. We define our confidence in the must strength that we can muster. Friends, if your confidence is your resource, if your confidence in your own personal 
abilities are where your strength lies, you will fail. There will be somebody who has less than you, and you'll look down on them, and there'll be somebody who's got more than you, and you'll fear them. Here's the tragedy. In either case, in either case, Saul, Goliath, or you and me, their confidence, their strength is in their own power, and that means that your confidence and your power is contingent upon you. But there's a third way. There's a third character in the story. We see the confidence of Goliath, the worldly confidence of Goliath. We see the lack of confidence of Saul, who used to be that guy, but no longer is. And we see a third way. We see the humble confidence of David. This is awesome. David goes to King Saul. King Saul, who is the champion? David, 16-year-old kid, red-faced, you know, rooty-cheeked guy. He goes to Saul, says, put me in. I'll take care of this. You can't do it, Saul, but I'll do it in your place. I'll whoop that Philistine, that filthy animal, that uncircumcised, uncovenanted piece of nothing. I will take him. And what does Saul do? Go back and look at it. Saul says, dude, really? I mean, he dude, really. But, you know, my, my point is, he says, Saul says, David, you're, you know, you're 5'6 on a good day, right? You're 130 pounds soaking wet. There's no way. There's no way you can do this. You're a boy. You have no weapons. You're no match to the steamroller coming across the valley at us. You ever notice something? That people who can't do something themselves always want to tear you down? Do you ever notice there's people that always want to tell you no because they can't do it themselves? That there's always someone who's going to tell you you can't possibly do it because they can't do it themselves. If you've never known someone that, like that, and you have, that's the worst when it's somebody in leadership position over you, isn't it? Like here. Because we've got Saul who was, who was afraid and fearful, telling a boy who was willing to take the risk that Saul himself won't take. When you are a leader, an insecure leader, you bring a lot of people down with you. But fine, you know, David doesn't take no for an answer. That's what I love about David. And the reason it doesn't take no for an answer is not because of David at all. Because see what happens, if you look at the text, Goliath and David are both fighting each other, right? They're both taunting each other across the valley of the shadow of death. The taunts are important because there's one huge difference. Look at it again. Goliath boasts in himself. Goliath says, I, listen to this, Goliath says, David, I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. I will give your flesh to the birds of the air. That's Goliath's taunt. David, verse 36 says, Goliath, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Do you see the difference? Do you see it? Goliath is saying, Goliath trusts in his own power. David trusts in the Lord. See, friends, when you are confronted with Goliaths in your life, and you are, and you will be, insurmountable problems, problems that you can't solve. You know what? You can't solve them, worldly speaking. You can rely on yourself like Goliath or like Saul, and you can become either a blowhard or a coward. Or you can be like David. You can rely on the Lord and have real victory regardless of the enemy that faces you across the valley of the shadow of death. 
Because David realizes something critical. It isn't about David at all, but about the Lord working through him. You know, just a second ago, the choir sang my favorite setting of Psalm 23. You guys nailed it. That was awesome. Thank you for that ministry. Psalm 23 is a psalm written by David, right? It's a psalm of David. He wrote it. David was not only a, uh, a good shot with a sling, he wrote music. He played a harp, which is just strange to me, but anyway. Anyway, Psalm 23 is a psalm we all know. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We all know it. We know it so much. So, it's so, so uh, common to us. It's a hallmarky psalm, and it totally misses the point. Because David wrote that psalm, and I'm going to submit something to you. It is not a psalm of comfort and joy. It is a psalm of confidence. Remember, when David and Goliath are facing each other across the valley of the shadow of death, as David runs towards Goliath, it says that Goliath walks toward David. David runs. I wonder if these are the words that David said to himself as he ran towards Goliath. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, Lord, are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I wonder if David said that to himself as he ran towards Goliath to meet Goliath in the valley of the shadow of death. Because see, friends, courage, courage is when a person faces fear head on and does the right thing. Not out of bravado and not out of fear of trying to save face, but rather moving forward because we learned to trust in God. That God is with him. Do you believe that? Is your first go-to in the problem in this world to trust in yourself? Probably it is. But let me challenge you. The only real solution is to challenge, is to rely on the Lord. Do the right thing, do what he says, but count on him. And the reason David knows he can rely on God is because he's learned it. Because Saul says, you can't possibly win this fight. And David says, oh yeah, I can. Yeah, I can, Saul. Here's why. Verse 37. Because, Saul, the Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. And he will deliver me from the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine. See, David had learned to trust God. David had learned in his life that God was trustworthy. He knew, even though he's terrified to run at this person across the field, David knew that God could save him because God had saved him in the past. In other words, David's faith, his real faith isn't a fairy tale. It's not wishful thinking. Real faith is when you have learned through your life that God is trustworthy. Let me ask you this. Where has God bailed you out in the past? This is an important thing. 1 Peter 3.15, always know, have the story ready in your mind for when God has saved you. Always be prepared to offer a testimony for the hope that is in you. Let me, think, let me just challenge you on something. Think about this for a second. Where in your life in the past were you facing a Goliath that you knew you could not possibly be? Where in your life were you facing something, financial, relationships, health-wise, that phone call that you hoped you'd never got and you did? Something which happened to you and you thought, there is no way I can defeat this on my own. Well, guess what? You're here. You know why you're here? Because the Lord has brought you here. 
And I want you to realize something, that God is proving this to you right now, just like he proved to David that he's trustworthy, that he will bail you out. Friends, faith in God, whether it's David's faith or you, his confidence is learned by experience. Our confidence is learned by experience and counting on the Lord to deliver us. See, friends, as I wrap up here, the story of David and Goliath is not about the little guy getting his due. The little guy getting his revenge, a schoolyard bully finally getting his butt knocked in the dirt. Again, as satisfying as that story is. The story of David and Goliath, Goliath is about a clash of where your confidence comes from. From yourself or from the Lord. It's about whom we rely upon when we face the monsters in our own lives. You can you trust in yourself like Goliath and like Saul. Or you can trust in God. David did not slay that giant, friends. You see, God did. We know it's interesting if you know anything about how they're arrayed in their armor. (laughs) Here's a sling with a rock. And by the way, in case this point misses you, uh, Goliath is actually impugning the armies of the living God. Do you know what the punishment is for uh, blasphemy? Anybody know? Stoning. So David stones Goliath because it is the the Jewish penalty for blasphemy, and he hits him exactly where there was a piece of armor. You know, if you've ever watched, I've never been a boxer. I've given a few punches, and I've taken a few punches, and I know that if you punch somebody right here, they go down, right? That's where he hits him, right there. Think God might have had something to do with that? Yes. David did not slay that giant, you see, friends. God did. And God will slay the monsters that you face in your own life. In fact, let me submit this to you. He already has. God already has slain the Goliath that you face because Jesus Christ went to the cross to die for your sins and mine in your place and in mine. Jesus Christ went to the cross as your champion, as my champion who took the punishment that I deserve in my place, who paid for my sins on that cross so that I and you and we can live lives of victory. See, friends, the battle is already won. If God is for us, who can be against us? So who do you trust? Do you trust you or do you trust him? Who actually has the power to save you, you or Jesus? And it is Father's Day, and dads, I'm going to challenge you and encourage you. Raise your kids on this truth. That true power and true confidence comes not from yourself, but from the Lord who works in, on, and through you. Live it yourselves, and they'll learn it from you, or they won't. Paul writes in Romans 8, 21, If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us if God is for us? Friends, through Jesus Christ, our champion. The victory is assured because the victory is already won. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the examples of Goliath and David and Saul. Give us wisdom to see in our own hearts where we trust in ourselves and fail to trust in you. Remind us that our true champion is your son, Jesus Christ, the son of David, who died in our places to set us free from sin and worry, and to give us boldness and fearlessness and courage. In his name we pray. 
Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.